0: The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org.
1: Welcome to the Rod and Staff Podcast. I am your host, Roger, along with my co-host Jason, and we're back for another episode where we're gonna continue on in the confessions. It's been a couple months, I think, since we've been in the confessions. We've had a couple different topics we've gone over, had a couple guest hosts mm-hmm. uh uh, recently, so uh, we are finally getting back to where we were. So, if you want to pick up and listen to the last episode uh, in God's decree, you can uh, get the foundation of where we started last time, and we'll pick up on this episode. But before we get into that, I'm gonna ask our two favorite questions that you came up with <laughs> that I tried to change, but you wouldn't let me change them. So I'll, I'll, I'll listen. I to didn't you want today. to be surprised. <laughs> Okay, so the first question is, what did you like this week? It only has to be this week. Or since the last time we did the podcast. Oh, okay. A couple of weeks, Which something like okay. that. Okay,
0: yeah. so... You can't remember?
1: No, I can't remember. Maybe that's what you don't like then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what, what did I like? Uh, what I, I'll say what I liked. I liked, actually, for, for the first time in a long time, and maybe it's because I stopped following people on Twitter, but... I liked some of the banter on Twitter that I was um, reading, and I liked some of the the kind of themes that are coming out in in some of the mm. Twitter world conversation. Now, some of it's in conflict and polemical, but um, it's triggered some thoughts in my mind. Kind of interested in some of the Trinitarian stuff that's been going on. Really wanting to to dive into some of the Patristics, kind of look at some of the Church Fathers and. Just remembering that the Lord has protected His church for a long time and there's good stuff to be retrieved. Mm. So this concept of retrieval has been a big theme for a number of years now. But um, so there were some nice, interesting things on Twitter. What did I What I not like? I, I in response to that, I thought I would have time to read. What I don't like is that I have no time to read. <laughs> so it has been really busy. And uh, trying to find time to read anything other than prep for preaching or teaching or counseling has been hard. Hmm. Um, so that's what I don't like. Um, but, yeah, there's so, so much good stuff to read. What about you? What did you like? What did you not like?
1: Well, you, you talk about Twitter. uh I I always talk about how you just you follow the wrong people. Yeah, but this time, <laughs> but this time it was kind of funny. I actually found a, a tweet on on Twitter that I used in my sermon a couple weeks ago, <laughs> but it was from somebody who's dead. So okay. it was a great quote, but it was a John Flavel tweet. So, you know, they, okay. have, they have Puritans on there and Puritan quotes. And so they'll just post them and tweet them every yeah. so often. And they're encouraging. So that's what I mean by you listen to the, or you're following the wrong people. You need to follow people who aren't alive. I was
0: going to say, maybe it's that maybe I'm so following much living folk. And I <laughs> yeah. should be following the dead ones.
1: Yeah. Uh, What did I do? dislike this last couple weeks Um, probably the same things the news (laughs) just all the stories coming out and just how yeah evil this world is and how we see it play out on the world stage every single day and the question is always the same why why did this happen and we know the answer it's not simplistic but we know the answer and why people do what they do and it's just sad to see that so much
0: I mean that that that's happening just triggered another huge dislike since you brought up the news Um, you know at the time of recording this this is about a day and a half removed from there was a a massacre shooting mm-hmm. in a supermarket. I think that's
1: one of them. Was mm-hmm. it a supermarket? Yeah, Buffalo, New York. In Buffalo. Yep.
0: Uh, awful and intentionally racist mm-hmm. race uh, as kind of the centerpiece of it, intentionally going after the African-American community. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, was it just yesterday? I, I got news at some point yesterday about a church, yeah. an Asian-American church that was, was yeah. it Asian-American mm-hmm. that was shot up um, as well. So, man. This is something, it, it's, it happens uh, so often when you turn the news on that you you just are overwhelmed and can't wait until Christ's return. Amen. That's really the only hope that we have that any of this will be brought to true justice. And so, yeah, we want to remember those that are suffering right now and, and pray for them too.
1: Well, let's get back into the confession and get back into uh, looking at how the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith helps us understand uh, the character of God. That's what we were discussing last time. We started in chapter three and we looked at, um, uh, we began looking at God's decree. So we're going to continue. And uh, I always forget, what are we calling these? They're not verse. It's a chapter section. Um, article 3,
0: paragraph 2.
1: 2. That's where
0: we're yeah. starting. I, th- I think that's what <laughs> we're going to say that for now. Next time it'll be chapter or something.
1: But They need to put a guide in the front to help people understand how you should reference it correctly. I-, I wonder if there is, and we just didn't even pay attention. But anyway. One of those where you just skip the front forward and all the dedications and everything. Yep. Well, let's look at um, Article 2. Article, article, two, three, article 3, paragraph 2. Paragraph 2. Okay, see, I can't even remember. Paragraph 2, article 3, paragraph 2. We're going to just read through these, discuss uh, the content of, of uh, God's decree is what the title of um, this article is. That's right. So let me read paragraph 2. God knows everything that could happen under any given conditions. However, his decree of anything is not based on foreseeing it in the future or foreseeing that it would occur under such conditions. So this is an interesting uh, way to talk about God's omniscience, what he knows. Yeah. Talking about his knowledge in a more uh, expanded way than we might just think that God knows everything. About him knowing everything under any condition. Yeah. What What are they trying to get at with with this thought?
0: You know, there there are infinite con- contingencies. All these possibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about every moment and what what occurs in each moment, what and what has led up to each of those mm-hmm. moments. And if something were different, that opens up another infinite number, or maybe it's not infinite, I'm not going to do the math, but uh, so many possibilities, maybe it's infinite. Uh, And then for each moment, imagine just every moment has multiple possibilities and each one leads to multiple possibilities and on and on and on Mm -hmm. ad infinitum. And what we're trying to, what the confession is saying here, it seems in that first line is God knows everything. Every single one of those, Mm -hmm. there's not one contingency that somehow he would miss or he wasn't aware of that possibility or, you know, no, he knows them all and instantly knows how all of them would play out uh, to the very end.
1: And it's interesting because they add this second sentence here to describe or to help us understand that it's not based on him foreseeing the future or foreseeing what Man or woman might do That he's decreeing But this is all occurring before Man even exists
0: Yeah It, it seems like that first statement Because you know The the, the second sentence there Starts with however mm-hmm. Because it's trying to show this contrast right? He's saying look He knows all contingencies um, But it's not contingently That he knows it yeah. It's not somehow that he's uh, Basing this decree That, he's, that, that we know as what what life is and what you know his perfect will it's not decreed based on uh these conditions right he's not decreeing it based on what he foresees and therefore okay i'm just going to make that happen it's uh you know he is decreeing based on nothing but his own will and we're going to get to that i think in in the next ones um but wanting to make a distinction i think there.
1: yeah where i've heard this one out the most i remember early in my uh christian life i was going to a church and how they would talk about god's foreseeing or foreknowledge as they would connect it to salvation right and they would talk about how god is foreseeing your decision for christ later therefore he's saving you or electing you a kind of seeing man's working in the future or not working but decision in the future is influencing influencing god's decree right and
0: so so that's the key issue right there that those who are saying hey god elects but it's based on his foreknowledge yeah really are saying hey god just knows who's going to choose him
1: yeah on exactly. their
0: own and then he calls them elect yeah right in a sense he's not actually electing them because they've elected to choose him yeah. and he's just labeling them so to speak elect and i think that's that's a pretty common position, to yeah. be honest.
1: And it's trying to, I think, in a sense, protect the human responsibility aspect right. or the human freedom aspect of man is has uh, this choice. It's, it's man doing something there. So in a sense, trying to protect it, but then it's also uh, going against even God's sovereignty over it.
0: it it's really uh, interesting because you can appreciate those who struggle with this particular mm. sentence or this this um, paragraph, and actually a lot of what's here in the decree, um, because there is a sense that we have that, well, if I don't have any choice, how can I be held responsible, mm-hmm. right? That's the the sense that people have. On the other hand, what, what I think the authors of the confession are trying to get at is if God doesn't have it. If you are insisting on your choice, then that's impinging on God's freedom, right? So in a sense, you've got this uh, battle of freedoms, and I don't think we really, if we think through it, we don't want to be freer than God. Yeah, Uh, That's not safe.
1: Here's something uh, to think about when we think about God decreeing, too, as it talks about, how he's decreeing everything and he knows everything under all the conditions Mm -hmm. is that there's a sense that God decreed that we would continue to sin Mm. to struggle with it right let's just wrap up this podcast (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna have confession time It's Let's yeah. get <laughs> not ours. though. <laughs> our, us confessing oh, or others. Do you confessing. want to confess all the other people's sins in the church?
0: I can. Yeah. You want to break confidentiality? Oh. And, no. That'd
1: be great with our three listeners. So yeah, <laughs> no, don't worry. None about of them it.
0: ever sin, though.
1: Yeah. That's perfect.
0: Our wives are part of it. Um, <laughs> that's a good. Wow, that's an important thought. That yeah. the continual battle that we have with sin and even falling into yeah. sin, yeah, is a part of God's plan and decree
1: because if if in salvation we are saved and we have a new nature and that spirit inside of us according to galatians 5 is wrestling with the flesh Mm -hmm. god did that god has allowed that to occur he he wanted that to occur in the life of believers which then the consequence of that is a struggle and wrestle with sin yeah. Now, it's not as, we're not saying it's his will for us to willfully give in to sin. Right. He broke the power, but there's a sense that God has even decreed the world where we are going to continue to struggle until our last breath.
0: Yeah. I think here's where it's so important to, just for our listeners' sake, to distinguish between what we would consider the two wills of God, mm-hmm. where you've got the decorative or the hidden secret yeah. will, which is God's perfect plan that is unchanging, uh, that is what we're talking about here—the decree. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. On the other hand, there is what we would say is the will of God, or the prescriptive will of God, mm-hmm. or the revealed will, where really that has to do with God's commands, yeah. His prescriptions for us, how we should live. Um, he doesn't, you know, He says, "Don't do not murder, do not commit adultery." These things that we're to live by. On the other hand. Has he decreed in such a way that people do murder, yeah. do fall into adultery, etc.? Uh, I was sharing with the men. We had a men's Bible study recently, and mm. I was sharing with them that this whole concept of, um, of like you said, God ordaining and willing and decreeing our sin is so helpful at times personally for me growing up. I remember when you grow up as a believer in the church or as an early age come to Christ, you now you'll grow up as a believer, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you sometimes f- almost forget your need for grace because you feel like you've been living a certain way and righteousness. And hmm. um, so falling into sin was the greatest reminder and lesson hmm. of grace for me, reminding me I am nothing but for the grace of God. So him ordaining my falling into sin, if we use that language, was for the purpose of revealing his glory in a way that uh, otherwise I wouldn't have grasped, I think.
1: Yeah. There's an aspect of teaching us humility and reminding us of that. Yeah. Amen. Well, let's continue on uh, and looking at paragraph three, right? Paragraph three. Paragraph, that's right. How about you go ahead and read that for
0: us? (laughs) Okay. Okay. By God's decree and for the demonstration of his glory, some human beings and angels are predestined or foreordained to eternal life through Jesus Christ to the praise of his glorious grace. Others are left to live in their sin, leading to their just condemnation to the praise of his glorious justice.
1: Hmm. There's key words in there to truly understand it but we can't fully grasp it. Right. We can understand it in this sense that there's an emphasis on God's glory and even in that we can't grasp how God is glorified with what we think doesn't wouldn't glorify God.
0: Yeah. Well that's a really good way to get into this question Roger to to think about kind of the end of each of those sentences. Mm-hmm. So the first one ends with, to the praise of his glorious grace. Grace. Mm-hmm. So how is it that the decree of some, you know, through predestination to salvation, eternal life in Christ, how is that to the praise of his glorious grace? Well, it's a reminder that it's man has nothing yeah. good in and of himself to offer. It must be this gift, free gift yeah. for us to be saved. His grace is magnified. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the second one ends with to the praise of his glorious justice. And how is it just that people are condemned for their yes. sin? Well, people are condemned for sin. Yeah. Justice requires sin be punished. And so this, this uh, paragraph does a, a good job of kind of helping us see the, uh, what we're discussing, the character of God. The, uh, God is both gracious, but he's also yeah. just
1: mm-hmm yeah but but why in the world did they throw in angels i mean it, it threw me for a loop when i read this paragraph like, me too <laughs> the, the angels i don't i guess i don't think of that when we think of election right don't necessarily think of the angels although they are spoken of of in scripture many times and you have those who are around the throne of god you have fallen angels and but here they add they they add that in and they will continue in in even in this uh uh that yeah. article.
0: Oh, in the same article. Hey, listen, same article. I, I I, have to admit that I don't want to press the question yeah. <laughs> about angels <laughs> because uh, there are a couple of things, implications here that make yeah. me a little nervous. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'll just mention that, you know, obviously we wonder um, it, These angels that are elect, it seems from what we know in scripture, they never fell. There's the fallen and then there's those that are the elect. And if it's saying that they were, they're elect and he's just kept them by his grace, you know, that's a different kind of election than the human election of a fallen people, right? So. Anyway, but yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just interesting how they throw it in there, especially when they reference the passages. And we think of the great passages like Ephesians 1, Mm -hmm. which they're referencing here. And you think of Romans 9. Those passages are talking about people. They're not referencing the angels. The other passages they bring in reference angels around God's throne. So it... Just a observation as, as we go through that one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to look at some others and see what they've said about these
1: angels. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good it's a good question. You want to continue on to the next yeah. one? Yeah. Well oh, there's more angels here. So you... Great. Perfect. Okay, so you can answer this one. So paragraph number four. These predestined and foreordained angels and people are individually and unchangeably designated and their number is so certain and definite that it cannot be either increased or decreased. Of all the ones in this uh, uh, article that are probably going to be the most uh, uh, not divisive. What's the word I'm looking for? But instigate is is pro- is how they worded this one. Yeah. Because they're so they're so just straightforward in this. Uh, this is how God has worked. Yeah. He has declared the number. There's no hope. It, it makes it sound kind of uh, not harsh, but just like there's not much mercy and compassion. Yeah. We know there's mercy and compassion, but how would you answer that? As how they're presenting the thought here?
0: Yeah. A presentation sometimes can be problematic because you look at a question or the, the, the statement they're making and I'm not really sure how else. To put it yeah. right, you the, the idea that they're they want to get across is yeah. that this this election, this predestination, the decree, etc., is not in generalities, there's an elect nation, and you could become sure. part of that nation, or you know, that God has foreknown individuals and foreordained for a uh, decreed their yeah. salvation from before time even began. And that is the only way for them to be Mm -hmm. God's people is his, um, individual, unchangeable designation of them. And the, the, again, the idea goes back to it's God's freedom. This is God's, um, I don't want to say his prerogative, but it is, it is his sovereign freedom that he has. That uh, only according to the counsel of his own will that things take place. We can't fight against that will and say, well, you know, we're going to add more than he wanted or something like that. But also not less than he wanted either. That If you're who who he has called, then you will be saved.
1: And it's also, I think, important to say because we don't know who are those who are going to be saved, that it's even more uh, important to preach the gospel to all. And the call is to all to believe. We're not looking at those and uh, looking at people and thinking, oh, this person's going to be saved or that person has no hope, they'll never be saved. No, we're, we're told to preach the gospel to all because God has people who have yet to believe, repent and believe. Yeah. And they will in God's plan. We don't know how, where, when, you know, but we do know that we're called and we're responsible. His means of salvation, how he directed the world, is the preaching of the gospel, the Amen. hearing of the gospel, and responding to the gospel. It doesn't change it because of how God has elected.
0: Right. Remember, this is the hidden will of God, mm-hmm.
1: and it's hidden for a reason. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, we need to know about it that we might worship and see his majesty. Yeah. But, but it's interesting. I, I wanted to read a little section here sure. from—this uh, is Chad Van Dixhorn— He's writing about the Westminster Confession, but again, I think we've said it before. It's very much the same as the London Baptist, except in certain parts. And he points out, of course, that some of the cross references that are in the the Confession there, uh, John thirteen eighteen, Jesus is speaking and he says, "I know whom I have chosen." Um, if Second Timothy two nineteen, the Lord knows those who are His. Okay, um, he, but he goes on. He writes this. He says, "It may appear." that even these brief statements are leaning towards one side of the story, giving more emphasis to election than reprobation. This is correct. The Westminster Assembly selected passages of Scripture to support the theology of these statements, and the emphasis of these passages is on the assurance that God's plan gives to God's people. However, this selection of verses and this emphasis are not arbitrary. These verses reflect the dominant emphasis of scripture itself which celebrates the selection of God's own people more than his passing by a rebel people whom he does not plan to save mm. so look at the I statement like again and you'll see what the, the authors do he said they um, oh I, I'm sorry I, I meant to read <laughs> that. that is with this statement but I, I'm looking I'm thinking about Paragraph three, where it says, you know, some are elected, but it says others are left to live in their mm-hmm. sin. Yeah, which is I think what what Van Dixhorn mm-hmm. is trying to get at there. Um, so this is really he's trying to encourage the elect to be confident in what God has accomplished.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we got one more. I think we can we can get through uh, on this episode to continue on in the thought of God's decree, mm-hmm. and that's going to be in. Paragraph 5. So let me read paragraph 5 for us. Those people who are predestined to life were chosen by God before the foundation of the world, according to his eternal and unchangeable purpose and the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will. He chose them in Christ for eternal glory, purely as a result of his free grace and love without anything else about them serving as a condition or cause, moving him to do so. Mm. That's a great paragraph. In a way that it's, it, it, it's balanced, or not, maybe not balanced, it's specific with, with what's happening and, and how it's describing uh, God's actions. And man's actions. And what I mean by that is is the adjectives it's using to add on to these uh, statements mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about his, uh, you know, the unchangeable purpose, secret counsel, his free grace and love. You know, it, it, it's emphasizing some points that I think are really helpful here to understand a little bit of the why behind it. Uh, Of what scripture is presenting to us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, so we spend so much time sadly thinking about those that God has passed over Mm -hmm. that we don't spend enough time stopping and thinking, why would he save any at all? Yeah. And that concept that God would save those who have rebelled against him, that God would pour out grace on the one who has wanted nothing to do with him and uh, the only way he could is by pouring out this love on them that changes them right to to desire him and cause uh, you know it says without anything else about them serving as a condition you know, there's nothing in us lovable or uh, you know desirable from god's perspective except that which he gives to us by his grace
1: and that's so offensive to the world absolutely because we're born with the thought of everybody is born good yeah or neutral at best yeah and that those who do wrong have something mentally wrong with them the why behind everything right well, they must be ill. They must something must be or, wrong with or them. Or they must
0: be a victim. Someone else has done something to them which has yeah. caused them to lash yeah. out or like. Which
1: we shape each other mm-hmm. and it does lead to how we act out the shaping that we do to each other. But when you live in a world that believes that we are all good and that there is goodness inside of us, this is uh this makes no sense. Yeah. To to say that we are chosen not because of anything in us because we're built to look at ourselves and how good we are as the cause or the reason instead of seeing ourselves as you talked about it. But why would God save anybody to begin with? We, You're right. We don't start with that question. We either start with we're all good or it's not fair. Why does God do that and not do this? He's not a fair God. Instead of saying, well, if you really want fairness and justice, we're all doomed. You have to start from that foundation to understand.
0: I know this analogy is not exactly right, but I mean, just think about, um, you know, those who want to adopt children or a child mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, they, they, they go in there and they adopt this child out of love,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just graciously caring, wanting to provide a home, et cetera. And all we focus on is the ones they didn't adopt, right? Mm. Now the the reason the analogy breaks down is because God could adopt them yeah. all, you know. That, <laughs> it, right? It it breaks down in some ways, but there's also something important to keep in mind. There, why are we so concerned all the time with instead of saying, "Wow, God has saved some," um, we say, "How dare He not save all?" Yeah, and that's I think why we end up dumping it on ourselves. We go, "Well, it's got to be about people because some we." we believe that God doesn't have to save all, but then it's got to depend on us. We have to be the distinguishing yeah. marker, so to speak. So,
1: and, and if this is true, that it's by his free grace and his love, and there is no condition or cause moving him to do so, and he's done all of this in salvation, isn't it interesting when there's a disconnect between that and the way some believers view God or think about the relationship with God? Hmm. As if God all of God's salvation and justification was based on his grace and mercy and love. But now your entire Christian life is up to you. Now God's love is so conditioned on whether you're obeying him or not, that God has this angry look at you and that you are not secure in him. There's this weird disconnect that happens, you know, that just came to my mind when we think about how glorious salvation is, but then how miserable some people are in their walk an understanding of the Lord after salvation. So important to even start at the foundation, uh, to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it's kind of like Paul to the Galatians. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or mm-hmm. by hearing with faith? And are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Uh, if we get this doctrine of God's grace and his love is electing love and understand it truly Mm -hmm. and deeply. Um, we would realize that he doesn't just suddenly leave us now to our own (laughs) devices, um, to grow. Great point, Roger. Good. Thanks for pointing that out.
1: Well, is there anything else you want to bring out in this, uh, last paragraph?
0: I I guess I I just want to emphasize that, um, this we didn't do enough of this but w- w- this is coming from a lot of key passages in scripture yes yeah. and what what the authors of the confessions and what systematic theologians are trying to do is account for what God's word says mm-hmm. we're not ju- we're, that's why I think you said it early on we're not going to be able to fully comprehend and give a positive take on uh, every aspect of how this works together but But what we want to do in in biblical thinking and theological thinking is put the right boundaries, Mm -hmm. understand, take the content that we have and account for these observations and the evidence that we have in scripture. And that's what they're doing here. When they're making the statement that it's by the secret counsel and his own good pleasure, and that's all it is, they're looking at Ephesians one. Yeah. Good point. And they're saying, how do we account for this? What says that very thing he's chosen us in this by his own the counsel of his own will and nothing but that um and then you know looking at other key passages too whether it's Ephesians 2 or romans 9 but there's so much in scripture that create these proper boundaries and bounds for our thinking
1: and we also don't want to think that they're just proof texting or choosing the ones they they think support their view and ignoring the other passages of scripture where sometimes people say Well, sure, you're just choosing these verses that seem to support your view, but what about the other verses that talk about God's desire for all to be saved or his mercy and his compassion on those who are lost and and pitting the text as if God is divided in his mind. But what they're trying to do here is they're emphasizing those scriptures where they're deriving this out of because it's so clear in those, not that they're ignoring the other texts of scripture. Um, Right in and and parts.
0: and you see it sometimes in the way they word things that they're balancing it mm-hmm. because they're saying we can say this and no more. Yeah. And I appreciate that, mm-hmm. right? And this was the wisdom of many many godly men working together yeah. to narrow the language down uh and to ju- do just what you're saying account for the whole counsel of God. It's not easy. They're not perfect. Uh, I'm sure that some of the t- sometimes we look at the pr- their 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 text the, the references yeah. and we're like what? I know. What? <laughs> Really, uh, so so this is you know men's word, but they're they're struggling with God's word, and I think have have done such a faithful job.
1: Well, that's good. That's a good good way to even end this episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed looking at or yeah, listening about. God's decree we're going to continue and finish uh, this article there's two more paragraphs so we're going to do that in the next episode we hope that you'll come back and listen if you have any questions or comments feel free to send us an email Uh, you can find our Facebook page Um, but we hope that we'll see you next time
0: if you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast please subscribe and share with others for more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.